you would open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, as you're turning there, uh, see that uh, longtime friends of St. Andrews, the, the Paulsons are, are here, and we're excited to see them here. We have a new friends to St. Andrews, the, the, the Riegers are here, they are itinerating missionaries going to uh, England, and we've got uh, dear friends, Jack and Martha Bell, Jack spoke at our mission conference uh, earlier this year, or, or with us today also. It's a delight to have all you all that to serve so faithfully. It's always dangerous to start saying, introducing people. There's probably other missionaries that I don't know are here, but those are the ones that I saw as they came in. Uh, just re- again, an, an, an update on, on uh, the Ukraine team. Uh, everything is going very well. Everybody's very encouraged. Uh, they're having a, a good time, uh, and I know that uh, they were uh, blessed to have Dale preaching and Mark singing in, in their worship service there today. Uh, we're, we're very blessed to be able to have Gary here f- filling in for us when Mark is, is gone, and uh, we're thankful for to having him with us this morning. This time, though, let's uh, turn our attention to, to Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. Remember, this is the Word of God. He, that's Jesus, entered Jericho was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he is about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, And come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried, and he came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning, and we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we would see glorious truths in this portion of your holy gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, sometimes in life, the things we think might be our biggest problems really are not. About 10 years ago, I was uh, living in Georgia, and I was grilling out one Saturday evening. We're having some friends over, and as I was outside grilling out on the gas grill, it started to rain, and, and so I moved quickly, and we had a, a large screen porch next to our patio, so I was able to, to put the, the grill uh, kind of in out of the rain some. I stepped inside for a moment to check and see how the rest of dinner was coming. As I looked out at the grill, I noticed that that tubing that goes from the propane tank to the grill was on fire and was burning down towards the propane tank. I knew that wasn't a good thing, so I, I, I quickly ran out there, and, and, and I threw the uh, screen 
door open so I could push the grill back out onto the patio. And I did that, the, the, the screen door broke, and, and uh, I, got, I got it out there into the rain, and I looked down at it, and it was still burning closer to the propane tank. So I decided to reach over to the garden hose that was right there, and as I reached for the garden hose, there was a snake sitting on top of the garden hose. And, and I looked at the snake, he looked at me, I looked at the grill, and it was still burning. So I had to throw the snake out of the way, grab the hose, spray the grill, ruin the dinner, uh, which after all that was, you know, all that took place in about a matter of 15 seconds. And, at the end of that, though, I went back around the house, and I got a garden hoe, and, and let's just say I took dominion over God's creation, and that snake <laughs> never bothered me again. The reality, the reality of it is, you know, I, I thought I had a big problem when it started to rain, but that wasn't really my biggest problem. And all of us have problems in life, and, and sometimes... We don't even realize what our problems really are. Uh, this morning, as we look at this account of Zacchaeus, we read here again in verse 1 that he, entered Jer- he, that's Jesus, entered Jericho and is passing through. And there is a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. All right, so what we know about Zacchaeus is that he was called a a chief tax collector. It's the only place in the New Testament where where this phrase is used. And and basically what's going on is is he's in Jericho, which is one of three main uh, taxation hubs there in Palestine, and he's pretty much running the whole show there. And in Jericho, there's this balm that everybody wants. It smells good, it's very healing and soothing, and and they're selling a lot of it. And the more that gets sold, the more money that Zacchaeus is making. But being a tax collector, and a chief tax collector at that, Zacchaeus is not very well liked by the people around there. In fact, the Jewish people there would have considered him a traitor because he would tax his fellow Jews keep some for himself, and then pass the rest on to the Roman government. So on this particular day, he hears a lot of commotion, and he knows that that Jesus of Nazareth is passing through town. And he's interested in getting just a glimpse of him. But being short, he's having a hard time seeing what's going on. So he runs ahead and climbs up into the sycamore tree, which would have been fairly easy to do, for those trees have very low uh, branches, and he could have climbed right up into the tree. And he did all that just because he wanted to catch a glimpse of Jesus. See, he's not really making an effort to meet Jesus. He's just wanting to catch a glimpse. Isn't that what we find ourselves doing sometimes? Just wanting to catch a glimpse of Jesus. For some of us, that may mean that uh, occasionally we will come to a worship service and maybe kind of check that off the old to-do list. For others, it might mean that uh, you find yourself in a, in a spot right now where the Christian life, you're just not so sure that's working so well for you. And, that you, that, and maybe you find yourself just kind of going through the motions because that's what others might expect of you. 
Some of you might say that you're a believer in Christ, but, but things are really bad right now. You're hurting. And you don't know if this Jesus of Nazareth is really one that cares about you or if he can be trusted. So therefore, you're just kind of occasionally taking a glimpse at Jesus. Or maybe you're a Christian who wants to do the things that the Lord calls you to do. In fact, you've been doing these things for a long time to the, fa- to the point now where you feel pretty certain you can just do them in your own strength. But occasionally, you'll take a glimpse at Jesus just to see if there's anything else you need to know. Zacchaeus, all he wants is just a glimpse of Jesus. He wants to see what all the fuss is about, but he's not too interested in getting real involved with this fella. Well, all that changes for Zacchaeus when Christ makes a true encounter with Zacchaeus. Look at, look at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. It's significant to point out there are two very true theological uh, truths that that we see here in in verse 5. The first is that even though all Zacchaeus wants is just a glimpse of seeing Jesus, there's no relationship with Zacchaeus going on until Christ initiates the relationship. You know, there's always a crowd around Jesus. This wouldn't be unusual for people to stand around and, and, and look at Jesus. But until Christ initiates the the relationship, there is no relationship between the two of them. You know, lost people have no inclinations in their hearts to be found. In fact, that's what's so sad about being lost, is one does not even know that they are lost until they've been found by Christ. The second thing to note here about verse 5 is that Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house today. He, he doesn't say, hey Zacchaeus, if, if it's okay, would it maybe be all right if I came over to your house today? You know, maybe like a, a, a shy teenage boy asking out a, a girl on a date. No, that's, that's not the way Christ comes at, at this at all. He says, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house today. You know, sometimes oh, we, we, we've heard this thinking that, that uh, Jesus is, is, is standing, knocking on the door of your heart, hoping, pleading, anxiously wondering if, if, if you're going to open up the door of your heart to him. Well, that's not the way it is at all with, with Christ. This is the way it is with Christ. I must come to your house today. He, he kicks in the door of our hearts and he says, I am here. I am Lord Jesus and I in coming to your heart today. So the question would be asked, well, how do we know for sure if Christ has kicked in the door of our hearts and and has entered in? Well, I I think we see the answer to that very clearly in verses 6 and 7. That's where I want us to spend some time. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. 
And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. The first way we know if Jesus is Lord of our life is we would have hearts of joy. Think of it. This man here, this, this chief tax collector, he's not popular with his, his fellow countrymen. He's climbing into a tree because nobody will, will even let him get in front of him so that uh, he can see what's going on. Then Jesus calls him by, na- by name and he hurries down out of the tree and he does it joyfully, does it with much joy. Is your life marked by a life of joy? As Christians, we should be the most joyful people around. We have been forgiven for our sins against a holy God. There's nothing that that, that should be cause for more joy than that. What in the world could be greater than being forgiven as sinners? And and it's very important that, that we grab hold of this and we understand it. Because Satan loves to get this wrong for us. Satan loves to to trip us up. He loves to to steal steal and to kill and to destroy our joy. As Paul Tripp points out, what Satan loves to do is, is he likes to take the things that are bad in this world and make them look good to us. And he likes to take the things that, that, that God gives us that are good and makes them look bad to us. And when we start thinking that way, he robs us of our joy. Now, as we think about this, you know, we might think, well, well how does he do that? Well, Satan often will, will, will do things like uh, stir us up for greed or, or have us have a, a, a thirst for power, or maybe uh, break our marriage vows, something like that. And we might think, well, come on, I would never do those things. I, 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 I wouldn't do that. Well, that's not the way Satan will present them to us. What, what he'll do is he'll say, try to get us to buy more into the American dream. You know what? You, you need a little bit bigger house. You need a little bit more car. You need a little bit more money in that retirement account of yours. Nothing that any of us haven't ever contemplated. Nothing that in and of themselves, is wrong. But once Satan starts putting it out there in such a way that that we say, I I must have that, it it becomes a need, well then Satan's got us right where he wants us. Or, or, you know, Satan's not going to say, go for that power position, make that power play now while you can. Instead, the, the temptation will look more like, I'm not so sure I'm happy with the way things are going right now. Things aren't going exactly the way I think that they should. Therefore, maybe I need to figure out a plan to get what I want. Maybe I can get a group of people here that that will agree with the way that I'm thinking. You know, I'm not going to accept no as an answer. The only answer I'll accept is the one that, that, that I'm looking for. You know, Satan loves to rob us of our joy by leading us into thinking that, that we've been done wrong by someone and we must have this, this wrong made right to us. 
Satan's not going to come up to you and say, hey, how about an adulterous relationship today? We'd say, no, go away. We're not going to fall for that. But, but men, once, once Satan gets you thinking, well, it's okay just to, to look a little bit. Or, or ladies, uh, get you thinking, well, he's a really nice guy. I, I enjoy talking to him. He seems to be a good listener. Maybe I can share some more of my intimate thoughts. Well, that's headed down a road to disaster. And that's the way Satan loves to rob us of our joy. When we fall for these lies and these schemes of Satan, we will be robbed of our joy every time. But here's the good news. Jesus came to save us from the trappings of Satan. As Christians, we ought to have great joy that Jesus frees us from the lives of Satan and from the bondage of sin. Just as Satan or just as Zacchaeus came down out of the tree joyfully, we always should be men and women of God who have great joy in our lives. That should be showing all the time because we're saying yes to the good things of God and no to the bad things of the world. Also note here that the people, they all grumbled and complained because Jesus was going to the house of Zacchaeus. Jesus is going to the house of a sinner. Zacchaeus was not worthy of having Jesus come to his house that day. And that's exactly the point of why Jesus went. Because Zacchaeus is not worthy, and you are not worthy, and I am not worthy, and yet Jesus Christ comes into our hearts with the gospel of grace. That's why we should be men and women of great joy. We are unworthy people, forgiven by a loving Savior. And when we truly understand that, when we truly understand that we are not worthy of God's grace, then the only response we'll have is a response of joy. In verse 8, we, we read, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Obviously here the scene has changed. They're no longer on the street. They're, they're in Zacchaeus' house. And he's making this very personal confession to the Lord. See, Jesus' presence in our life not only just brings us joy to our hearts, but it actually changes the way we live. Zacchaeus is so excited about Christ, calling him to, to himself, that he has no choice but to do things differently in his life. Before he had an encounter with Christ, he was a cheat, he was a thief, and he was a very dishonest guy whom no one liked. Now that he's met Jesus, his whole world changes. Not because Jesus says to him, okay, Zachy, if you want to be a part of my fa family, you've got to do things differently. Remember, Jesus came to Zacchaeus when he was in the tree, when he was still the most disliked person in town. Zacchaeus changes his life because he has met Jesus. 
This is not a response of trying to get Jesus to like him. Because Jesus loves him, Zacchaeus is determined to change the way he lives. This should should be true for us also. Because of our relationship with Christ, we should be determined to change our ways from our sinful behavior. Zacchaeus immediately recognized that his financial life was going to have to change because of his relationship with Christ. Would your financial life look different without Christ as part of your life? Does the way you spend your time look different because of Jesus? You know, if, it, if these things aren't true in your life, then that should be an indication to you that things aren't quite right in your world. Jesus changes everything in a person's life. And if you're a follower of him, you, you know that. If you have areas of your life in which you refuse to, to change and to give over to Jesus, that, then that should show you that, that you have a hard heart. Because Jesus does change the way we live. Righteousness is such a gift from God that, that when we receive it, we can actually live righteous lives. Uh, John Bunyan, the, the, the writer of, of Pilgrim's Progress and some of his personal writings, writing on the subject of, of Christ's righteousness, goes into great detail about how Jesus doesn't just give us righteousness, but Jesus is righteousness. He is our righteousness. And, and once we, we grasp that idea that, that our righteousness is, is from Christ and Christ alone, then we can live the lives that God is calling us to. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah tells us that, that apart from the Lord, our most righteous acts are like filthy rags. We see here Zacchaeus paying the restitution paying back uh, the, the, the money that he's taken. This, this is a, a, an outward display of his inward repentance. If we repent of our sins, our lives will look different than before our repentance. It's a sign of humility and understanding. The life of a Christian is marked with humility. The life of a Christian is marked with humility. For when we truly have this humility, we declare, I am nothing in and above myself, and the only thing that I cling to is the cross of Jesus. When we start demanding our own rights and that things go our way, we've lost sight uh, of of who Christ is and what our relationship with Christ is supposed to be like. Finally, when Christ is having this visit with Zacchaeus, he reconfirms his mission. He says, beginning in verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus makes the proclamation that salvation has come to this house. That's a big statement. No one other than Jesus Christ can reconcile a sinner 
to the holy God of the universe. Zacchaeus is a wealthy man. Zacchaeus is a man with, with, with no doubt a person of influence, with friends in all the right places, in the Roman government, and even with the Jewish people. Yet when he stands in front of Jesus Christ, he has absolutely nothing to offer. It's, it's actually the perfect picture of our plight. We think we have some of these things that, that we might be able to offer to, to God as, as a sign of, of that we're good people. But in reality, we have nothing. Not our money, not our prestige, not our good Sunday attendance, not our, our uh, idea that maybe we're a good guy or maybe even a patient wife. None of those things help our standing with the Lord. Yet by the grace of Jesus himself, we're told that salvation has come to your house today. You know, it's, it's, it's the wonder of the gospel. And, and the wonder of the gospel isn't that it's just the, one to, the first time we hear it. Now certainly, once and for all, we're justified before the Lord. But each and every day that we come to the Lord repentant of our sins, we are forgiven each and every day for our sins. Christ is there, affirming his love for us, assuring us of our salvation, assuring us, saying salvation has come to this house today. The gospel is for us today as much as it was the very first time we heard it. And, and, and we as Christians cannot hear that message enough. It's absolutely essential that, that we keep the gospel a central part of our lives each and every day. It's through the gospel of grace that we can work alongside of our co-workers. And it's through the gospel that broken relationships can be reconciled. It's through the gospel of peace that we can live in families of love and of nurturing. Yes, indeed, the gospel does need to be the central part of our lives each and every day. For without the gospel, we're, we're left to, to, to live and work in our own strength, just occasionally wanting to take a glimpse at Jesus. And that's never going to work. The last thing I want us to look at here is that Jesus says that I've come to seek and save the lost. You know, I said earlier that, that Satan likes to, to kill and to destroy and to lie. And contrast that with what Jesus says. He says, I'm here to seek and save the lost. That's good news for us. This is as clear as it gets. Jesus has a heart for the lost. We certainly need to have a heart for the lost. Now, now, we have a team right now over in Ukraine because we have a heart for the lost in Ukraine. We have a heart here in this congregation for the people in Haiti. We have a heart for the people in England. We have a heart for the people in Bulgaria. That's why we send out these short-term journeys. That's why we support these uh, those workers that are there because we have a heart for the lost and that shows over and over in our congregation. But we also don't want to miss our opportunities right here around town each and every day. 
I don't know how many of you were, were down in the uh, family center last Sunday morning, about 9 o'clock, when we have that time for, for coffee and fellowship. But there was a fellow that came in, a fellow by the name of James. And, and James had no shoes or socks, cut off blue jeans with holes in them, dirtiest t-shirt that you can imagine, his hair is a mess, his teeth were rotten, and he stunk. And he came in and said, can I have a donut? Can I have a cup of coffee? And, and so we sat there and we chatted. And we were there for about 15 minutes and, and no one else came up to say hello to James. Now I don't say that uh, to, to, to make anyone feel guilty or, or anything like that. You don't have to tell me later uh, that why you didn't, that's not the point at all. This is the point, that Zacchaeus, he's just like James. We are just like James. We come before Christ in such a way that we are ragged looking, our teeth are rotten, and we smell bad. And yet Christ comes to us and says, that may be the condition of your spiritual soul, but salvation is coming to your house today. I'm here to seek and save the lost, and you are it. You know, I thought I had a problem that day when I was grilling out and it started raining, but you know, that really wasn't my big problem at all. Zacchaeus thought he had a problem when he couldn't quite get a glimpse of Jesus and because he was too short. It turned out that that was the least of his problems. We cannot fix our own problems. They're bigger than what we think they are. Our real problems, though, are taken care of by the power of the gospel. It is a gospel of hope. It's a gospel of love. It's a gospel of peace. It's a gospel of joy. And above all else, it's a gospel of grace. We are small, and our problems are much bigger than what we might think they are. However, Jesus Christ has come to make all things new. Jesus Christ has come to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray together.